What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back into the 526 Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Hollihan, back here on this Sunday evening. I took the day, um, reflected on my thoughts after the sour 66-65 to loss to the number 22 Creighton Blue Jays to hand St. John's their second conference loss of the season, of course. Um, the feelings right now and the emotions um, are obviously still pretty high around the St. John's fan base, um, and it's rightfully so. I think if you're a St. John's fan out there and you are feeling, you know, anger, if you're feeling a little a little sadness, um, and you know, just a bit of uh, just a bit of a sore, sour taste in your mouth, and and a, and just a sore feeling um, after that loss last night to Creighton. You are not alone, as yours truly is feeling those same emotions. Uh, still, you know, about roughly over thirty hours after the loss to the Blue Jays, but it was definitely a game. That St. John's, it felt like they had at a certain point, and unfortunately, it's tough when you're playing 8v5, as the whistles were very much against St. John's, um, a very, very ridiculous and poor officiating uh, game by the referees. Um, we'll get to that. I mean, we'll definitely have our time to to get to a lot of what you know, is and has been a talking point, um, you know, throughout the last 24 hours or so. And it's definitely something that you don't want to, you never want to put it on the refs. Um, I learned when I was an athlete playing in high school that, you know, the refs don't make the mistakes for your team. Ultimately, the team loses the game and blaming the refs if if you're going to it's kind of uh it's kind of in bad taste i might add um now there definitely are situations where you can say man that was a bad call but to sit there and say well that's you know the only that's the one thing that costed you that game is wrong now I say that, but of course, as a fan, you know, you scream and, and holler, and a lot of times it's at the refs, you know, it's um, it's always, you know, kind of something that you can uh, hang your hat on, I guess, uh, so to speak, but, you know, St. John's, um, the refs did not lose them this game. Yes, there were some brutal calls down the stretch, but ultimately, St. John's made some, made the mistakes. They they struggled to put Creighton away when it felt like they really had him against the ropes, um, especially with a lot of the backups in. And, you know, that's what did you in. But uh, a tough environment in Omaha. St. John's has not won there in some time. They're just 1-11 in 11 lifetime in Omaha, Nebraska. And... You know, I, I believe their last win came back in 2019, but you know that's a um, that's a really really competitive Creighton team that I don't necessarily think St. John's um, is very far off from uh, being 
you know, at that level nationally as the Blue Jays are. Um, it was for sure a a loss that sticks with you, as I think the UConn loss did, of course. Um, in terms of you know, you feel you feel encouraged by what you saw, but like if you listen to Rick Pitino's press conference where he said. You know, I'm not into, to summarize his quote, I'm not into the whole, you know, moral loss thing and, you know, feeling good. Um, we are getting better defensively, but, you know, we um, we definitely lost one today was basically the message that I got. And, uh, and let one slip away was the message that I felt Rick Pitino voiced. Um, and, you know, I will... Sit here and completely back him a thousand percent on his uh, quote about the officiating and referees because I think that that was one of the best and and greatest single quotes I've heard by um, by a coach ever. And I'll get to that in a moment when we come down to the stretch there. So when we're looking at this game as a whole. You know, we're going to get into it here now. Uh, like I said, this St. John's team let it slip. We're going to we're gonna get to that in a moment. But St. John's, they came out and they struggled early. I mean, they were brutal to begin this game. It was not a great start by St. John's. It was certainly not a fast start as they found themselves down um, – in the first media timeout, 10 to four, but they came out of that media timeout and they were able to turn it on. As I think we've seen a lot of the times when St. John's heads into these media breaks are able to come out, you know, looking more um, polished and like the St. John's team that we've seen for the majority of the season as they were able to turn a 10 uh, four lead by Creighton to just a 10, eight, uh, 10-8 deficit after Jordan Dingle uh, made a layup, and then they were able to get R.J. Luis to the free throw line, and he was able to knock down both. St. John's able to then score uh, two more field goals and make it 14-10. So a 10-0 run coming out of the media timeout, and an 8-0 run heading into the next media timeout. So a great job by St. John's coming out of a media timeout, and then it was just kind of this back-and-forth rock fight between these two teams throughout the majority of the first half. But then Creighton was able to, um, towards the end of the first half, uh, Mason Miller makes a big three, puts them up five, and Creighton would take a five-point lead into the half. Now, Creighton, I mean, wow. They were lighting up um, the three-point line with, uh, for the most part, bricks. Six for 23 from beyond in the first half, shooting 26.1%. That's, you know, six made threes, but, and it ultimately was what put them ahead, but taking 23 was just ridiculous, um, in my opinion. St. John's, you know, only four threes attempted in a big goose egg, um, from scoring from beyond and just, uh, you know, just right there early on, you could kind of see, um, you know, where this 
game was kind of heading to where if Creighton could suddenly find their stroke, St. John's could be in trouble. But fortunately for St. John's, that never happened. As we got into the second half, things, you know, started off in that same way as the first half. As, you know, Creighton, uh, Baylor Shearman would get to the line and he would make two free throws to give them a seven-point advantage. But then St. John's started coming back and, and, you know, digging out of another mini hole. But, you know, it's something we've seen a lot out of the St. John's team coming out of breaks. They've struggled we have been hoping to see that turned around, and while you know you might not be able to fix that entirely, it would be nice to see St. John's be able to put a little, um, a little more umph coming into the second half. I wonder if at times they kind of start to press coming out because they may know the numbers as they come out of the second half, and they're just trying to do too much, or they're just struggling to, you know, kind of get back into that groove. Um, but you know, they'd go back and forth with um you know with throwing haymakers at each other you know uh Creighton would make a few St. John's would come back and then suddenly as we exited out of the second media timeout I believe it was um St. John's suddenly with a one point lead heading into that under 12 media timeout they started to pull away as this was mainly due to their bench. Zuby Ejafor had a, you know, a terrific game off the bench. A lot of their bench guys did. I'll get to those numbers in a second. Um, Naheem Aline, who made two key free throws off a technical foul. They called Baylor Shearman. And I would really uh, like to um, make this statement right now. I think this had something to do with the free throw discrepancy at the end of the game. Um, I'm going to hold that uh, thought for a moment because, you know, I do still think that there were some other things, but I'll come back to that in a second. St. John's then, Edge of Four would go down and put them up nine after the two technical free throws made by Naheem Aline, and it's a 56-47 St. John's lead. This is where things turned. Um, two boneheaded turnovers and I don't want to kill him because he's a freshman so I don't want to blast him necessarily but Simeon Wilcher I want to be very careful about how I put this because again I don't want to blast the kid but he has been making mistakes after mistakes after mistakes doing the same crap that we see game in and game out. I really think, and I don't think you can get on a young player too much, but I'm sure Rick has been getting on him. I don't think the message is hitting, though, because he made two dumb turnovers. And it's literally here in the stat book on the play-by-play summary listed as bad pass turnover by Simeon Wilcher, where he threw it right to Francisco Farabello. And then the next time down, he goes out, offensive foul, another turnover. It was a nine-point St. John's lead that after two free throws by Kalkbrenner was down to seven. Two um, possessions where St. John's got zip, zippo on, and they had the ball for maybe... 10 seconds, 
possibly. I'm not even quite sure how long they had it before Wiltshire started um, turning it over. And then all of a sudden, it's a three-point swing, or four-point swing, excuse me, and St. John's nine-point lead is now cut to just three. And then suddenly down to just one as um, as there were some missed possessions. And then, you know, here comes Creighton, and we'd go back and forth again. It, and this is that's where I thought the game was lost. Those two turnovers that got Creighton back into it, got the crowd back into it, I think is what ultimately lost you that game. And then as we move on down the line, there were some really, really tough shots that St. John's was missing. I thought Jordan Dingle, you know, at, at a certain point here was kind of just shot chucking. Um, and then Naheem Aline, oh, an open three in the corner that goes halfway in and comes out. I mean, that was brutal. I, I, I remember... The Julian Champagny missed game uh, buzzer beater against Marquette years ago. That reminded me so much of that shot where it looked like it was going through and then, you know, just missed. I mean, that Naheem Aline, you couldn't get more wide open. And unfortunately, it was a good look and it just didn't go down the ball. I don't want to sound too much like the previous St. John's head coach, but it just didn't bounce their way on that shot. Now, here we go. It's under two minutes left, and I really was curious as to why this was not a foul. Dennis Jenkins is tr is driving to the basket, and then Kalkbrenner blocks him. It looked like there was some contact there, no call. Then up comes Creighton the other way. Misstep back jumper by Alexander. An offensive rebound by Farabello. And then Jenkins gets knocked over. But then somehow they call Dennis Jenkins on a personal foul on Trey Alexander. Even though I personally thought the contact at the other end was warranted a trip to the line for Dennis Jenkins. So I don't understand how you call one thing at one end that really, if that was warranting a foul, then so was the other one. Trey Alexander would knock those two free throws down, and that's what decided the game with 10 seconds left. St. John's would call, would call a timeout as they got it across the tie line. And then, of course, we want to play the timeout game, as so would Greg McDermott to set things up defensively. And then they get... Um, and, and you knew it was coming, I mean, by a mile. I, I was saying give and go to Dennis Jenkins. He's inbounding it, you know, find the open guy, and then it's right back to Jenkins. That's what they did. Pass into Soriano, back to Jenkins, a, scream at, a screen at the top of the key. Jenkins uh, goes around the horn, comes through the lane, step back jumper, and it misses. Misses off the back iron. Comes around, rattled around by, you know, players. They're going back and forth. Comes back to Dingle. Goes up. Gets tackled. Misses the jumper. Gets tackled. No room to land. Now, mind you. So that was horrendous. Let me just preface. Earlier in the second half, there was a foul called on a three-point shot against R.J. Luis on Ryan Kalkbrenner where R.J. Luis 
barely touches him as he's going up. Luckily, Kalkbrenner missed all three. But from an officiating standpoint, how do you not call it both ways there? It doesn't make sense. That's where I have the problem is the lack of, and not just to mention, it's a foul. I mean, Dingle's tackled. You know, I get it's Super Wild Card Weekend, but I mean, come on, we're playing basketball here. What in the hell is going on? Terrible, terrible officiating by James Breeding, Nathan Farrell, and Brent Hampton. Those three should be embarrassed, and those three should be held accountable. Now, Rick Pitino gave a fantastic quote, a fantastic quote on officiating. Um, And I don't think you could sum it up any better than the way that Rick Pitino um, put it. You know, I and I always noticed, and I want to say this before I read off this quote, I always noticed that he never yells at officiating. I thought maybe the cameras just never catch him, but I never see him do it. Here's his quote. I don't yell at officials during the game. This is going to sound absolutely berserk. I think it's a form of cheating when you're trying to get calls on every play and cursing at the referees, inciting the crowd, Patino said. You're trying to get calls. I don't believe in that. I've said to referees throughout my tenure maybe a thousand times, stop listening to the other coach. You're getting paid to referee not to listen to coaches. Most of them adhere to it. The ones that aren't great don't adhere to it. So maybe a little bit of a uh, of a um, of a jab at, of course, the officials there at the end of um, the game. But I also think this was a jab, and I think everyone just about uh, knew who he was talking about in the Big East, and that, of course, is UConn's head coach Dan Hurley, who uh, Rick Pitino has been, I think, kind of turned into a. I mean, obviously, it's Rick Pitino but has turned into a St. John's darling with his, uh, you know, just last few weeks going after the UConn fans, bringing next year's uh, home game to Karnaseka Arena and um, and talking about, you know, and throwing shade at Dan Hurley right there. Um, Dan Hurley, in my opinion, is the new Jim Beheim in the Big East, which, I mean, is pretty... Uh, pretty almost said appalling it's not appalling it's pretty funny you know what goes around comes around um in the big east because you got your whiner back um so you you take the good with the bad with having of course UConn back in the big east um I personally love it and I think they shouldn't leave but because of the rivalry and anything and that's a conversation for a different day but I definitely think that Rick is dead on with that quote just talking about that for a second, to hear a coach say that, and I mean, it's a Hall of Fame head coach like Rick Pitino. I mean, at the end of the day, he's at the head of the table when it comes to a lot of the coaches, um, the great coaches in not only college basketball history, but the great coaches in today. I mean, he's right there, right? So I definitely feel like having something like that said um, by a Hall of Fame head coach like Pitino is just you know, great. And like I said, watch a game. Literally, just watch Patino. Watch him coach. You don't hear him yell at the refs. I mean, it's it's really remarkable that he's not over there screaming and hollering. He's not 
you know, pulling a Rolly Massimino, you know, tearing out his hair with the refs. He's not throwing chairs like, um, you know, the late Bobby Knight. He's doing none of that. I mean, he just lets them officiate the game, and he worries about his team. And and I think in that way, the refs respect him by him not saying anything, which I think is great. So moving on from that and moving on from this game, I, I... you know, we'll give off some statistics here. I mean, I think that, you know, one of your better performances, in my opinion, was that of Zubi Ejiofor off the bench, giving you those six big points and really coming through in a big way, um, you know, there when St. John's was making their run. Unfortunately, they couldn't put them away. And I keep going back to it. They could not put away Creighton. Jordan Dangle, I thought, had a pretty good game with nine. Um but ultimately, I think what it came down to was St. John's played, I think, for the most part, pretty darn good defense. Unfortunately, you lost, but I thought that they played pretty darn good defense. It's weird that suddenly this team is struggling scoring, and Patino talked about it where we've got a bunch of scores that we recruited, and now we're trying to teach them defense. Well, now it's like it's flip-flopped. Now you're more like trying to hone in, I think, a little bit more and paying more attention to their offensive game now because it feels like they've come around to the defensive part of things. And I'm not saying it's, you know, this is anything that is, um, and don't get me wrong here, this is nothing that's fixed completely, but I definitely feel like um, their defense is is certainly coming around. But St. John's has got to be better. Um, Their offensive game, and especially shooting, shooting from beyond, they haven't been terrific. Um, you know, I, I think that the last couple of games and especially, you know, yesterday against Creighton, it showed just two of 11 made three balls throughout the entire game. 18.2%. Jordan Dingle had one, Dennis Jenkins. That's it. That's got to change. Um, big time. Like we, we can't be having this guys. It's, it's gotta, something's gotta give here. Um, I thought St. John's as well. Uh, I think they were tough on the boards. Um, they out out rebounding Creighton by one, but unfortunately, you know, I felt like there were some missed opportunities as well that St. John's could have had underneath, especially on the offensive glass in the, um, second half that I thought they let slip. Um, but you know what? I mean, it was a encouraging day to see out of St. John's, especially heading on the road. You know, a quicker turnaround, I would say, coming off the Providence game. And now you have another quick turnaround as you head, you know, across the bridge over to um, Newark, New Jersey, into the Prudential Center. You're at the Rock. Going up against Seton Hall, you struggle at the Rock. Last year was embarrassing. I was embarrassed for them. I was embarrassed to be sitting there, um, you know, calling a game that it just felt like these guys checked out and the coaches checked out um, long before the game had even started. So I hope that St. John's is going to put together a better effort against Seton Hall, a Seton Hall team that all of a sudden has risen to the top 
um, in the Big East and has been quite the surprise. I think I said going into the year, Seton Hall would be towards the basement of the Big East, not in last place, but certainly not, you know, in the upper middle pack. Right now they're there. Right now they're at the top in the Big East Conference, but from a playing perspective, they're in the upper middle pack of the Big East, which is something that, you know, we haven't um, seen out of Seton Hall, you know, in uh, in a few years, but especially right now um, as they're growing towards the upper echelons of the Big East. But Seton Hall, come Tuesday, I think there's been enough uh, good things that's been said about them that maybe they'll start to get a little complacent here. I mean, I still think this is that same Seton Hall team I'm not going to throw out any type of, you know, big-time predictions for who's going to win because I also think St. John's needs to be careful here. An emotional loss against Creighton, and now you go back on the road in a tough environment against another hungry Seton Hall team that's trying to prove why they should still be atop the Big East. But St. John's, they got to come out angry, and they got to come out better. I mean, Seton Hall, you know, I don't think they're where they want to be defensively. But St. John's isn't necessarily where they want to be offensively either. So I hope to see, you know, guys like Joel Soriano, who's had two games there where he's been a little wishy-washy in the offensive end. Chris Ledlam, who's still trying to get his legs under him. Maybe he can have a big breakout game. Naheem Aline, who has been a little quiet the past couple uh, games. Hopefully he can really turn it on. Jordan Dingle's been kind of quiet. And hopefully R.J. Luis can um, get back into his scoring ways in a big way against Seton Hall and the Pirates. But anyways, that's going to do it for me here, folks. A really brutal, tough loss by St. John's yesterday, 66-65, um, but it'll be interesting to see in uh, you know just about 12 hours to see where the AP poll um, will have them if they find their way in or how many votes they get in both the AP and the coaches poll. So thanks everyone for tuning in. And as always, I'll talk to you next time. Start spreading the news. I'm leaving today. I want to be a part of it New York, New York These vagabond shoes Are longing to stray Right through the very heart of it New York, New York I want to wake up in a city that doesn't sleep And find I'm king of the hill Top of the heap These little town blues Are melting away I'll make a brand new start of it In old New if I can 